Hello everyone and welcome fellow piercers and piercing enthusiasts to Real Talk, a piercing podcast from the minds of piercing professionals on the body modification industry and culture. Each episode we will center on a common theme with a guest. We will cover topics including things such as piercing methods, industry topics, jewelry, and trends. I'm your host Will Von Doom, a professional body piercer and proud member of the Association of Professional Piercers. So let's get straight to the point and dive into this week's topic. everyone. In this week's episode, we speak to someone that not only myself, but also many other people look up to in this industry. This gentleman has been piercing since her industry experienced its first boom in the 90s and helped pave the way for many of us. Since then, he has put piercing on the back burner and currently helps manage one of the most well-known studios in the country. This individual is Mr. Derek Lowe of St. Sabrina's. Derek and I have a friendly chat over where the industry is heading. As our industry ages and becomes more legitimized, we've started to see a transition from being a piercer to a manager, to a shop owner, a jewelry maker, or something among those lines. These roles are becoming more and more common in the industry as it expands. We also take a trip down memory lane and discuss where things have really changed over the last 20 years. So without further ado, listen in as we talk about managing a team of employees, how the people you surround yourself with can influence your success, and the passion our industry has for its livelihood. Derek, why don't you take a moment and just tell our listeners a little bit about your history and what you do in the industry? Sure. Uh, my name is Derek Lowe. I currently work at St. Sabrina's uh, in Minneapolis. I've been there for, gosh, about 16 years now. Um, I started piercing, I guess, back in 1995. Uh, started in Milwaukee and did my uh, my pseudo apprenticeship while I was uh, finishing up college. I went to school for electrical engineering. And uh, so I spent a little bit of time in Milwaukee. And after I graduated, I Moved to Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, spent uh, about three years uh, piercing at a tattoo studio there. Kind of typical tattoo shop, does piercing on the side uh, kind of thing. But uh, fortunately, worked with a, the owner there was actually pretty open to uh, making a lot of the changes and ideas that I had. And so I guess it must have been 1996 is when I uh, first became a member of the APP. And... Uh, Attended my first conference. I think it was that same year. It was the one in Florida, so the only one that hasn't been in Las Vegas. And so I was in Madison for a few years, and then I actually moved to Cleveland, where I had the um, incredible opportunity to work for Dave Vidra uh, for about three years, and uh, incredible learning opportunity, as I'm sure uh, many people can imagine. And then uh, I moved uh, to Minneapolis from there, and uh, didn't have actually didn't actually have a job at the time, um, but ended up uh, getting a job at Saint Sabrina's. That's right. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been an interesting interesting journey, I guess. Kind of all all contained in the Midwest. Excuse me, in the Midwest, uh, more or less. So. And now you work at a great place, and you have an awesome lady friend, and you got an awesome dog. So. Yeah, life life looks pretty good right now. To be honest, probably uh, I'm not sure. I imagine where I, what life would look like at 45, but I don't think this was probably it. You know, especially in the middle of uh, going to college for engineering, 
but um, I certainly don't have any complaints at this point. So that actually is a really good stepping point into this week's topic. So the thing that we're going to talk about this week, uh, and we've gotten a lot of requests for it, is actually transitioning from being a body piercer into other opportunities within the industry. And I know that you already stated that you work for St. Sabrina's, but you do not have a piercing role at St. Sabrina's. Am I right on that one? Yeah, no, I pretty much, um, I don't know, probably two or three Three years ago, I mean, I'm essentially retired from piercing. Maybe, maybe it's even been a little longer um, than that. It was, it was sort of a transition. But um, I will occasionally, when it's um, really swamped and we're maybe if we're down a piercer, you know, I will sometimes still jump in and do some jewelry changes and stuff like that. Um, but it's been a number of years since I've actually done a piercing, um, and you know, that wasn't necessarily a conscious decision. You know, in the beginning, it's just sort of where uh, some somewhere my position took me. Um, and then, you know, I think I guess one of the things that, you know, could potentially transition people out of a piercing role, which is something that sort of happened to me is just, you know, my um, I've never I guess without getting into too much detail, I've always you know, I've always struggled with I've had trouble with my eyes. Um, as anyone who's probably seen my glasses is like, what is going on there? Um, you know, and for a bunch of years, it really wasn't an issue, but as I've gotten older, um, you know, it did become a little bit of an issue. And so, um, it's not, it's definitely not the sole thing that transitioned me out of piercing, but it was a contributing factor. Yeah. My wife said, I want to say three or four years ago, she said to me, she was like, what happens when your eyes and your hands like stop working? And when she said that, it absolutely terrified me because I hadn't really thought about it. And she was like, well, do you want to go back to funeral directing? I was like, oh, my God, no. So hence the reason why I'm back in school now. So uh, good on you for actually, like, recognizing that and working towards something different. Yeah. Um, I think that's a thing that a lot of people don't want to admit that be like, eventually your car may run out of gas. You know, like you're you may not be able to do this forever. And. And I mean, I go into Will Von Dad mode and just be like, you know, maybe you should go to college or a trade school or something similar along those lines as a backup while you have money now. But um, yeah, it's definitely one of those things that you want to think about. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. I think you know that a lot of times you know there are people. I have certainly joked with people and heard people you know say, "Oh, piercing is a young person's game," you know, sort of jokingly. Um, but you know that doesn't mean it's you know only for people in their twenties. But there probably is, you know, at some point, a limit for most people um, from a physical point of view. And it's, you know, I think a lot of people don't think of piercing as a particularly physical job, but, it, you know, the repetitive nature of it and the, the weird stances that a lot of us put ourselves in and the, the strange habits you develop to, you know, to do your job when you're working on someone else's body um, can have some long, long-term impacts. And I think, you know, that a lot of people certainly, you know, like we're all probably guilty of when we're younger. There's just a lot of the future that you don't think about and you think it's, you know, it's going to, everything's going to last forever. Um, and that's just yeah. not, this is not the reality of it. And so I don't think that, you know, and I don't think you, you, we don't really see a lot of people who are piercing, you know, into their sixties or, you know, to, to quote unquote retirement, uh, you know, traditional retirement age. Um, so I think it is something that people, you know, if, if that's if you love piercing that much and that's your, ultimately your goal, that's great. But I think there's definitely some steps you need to take to try and you know preserve your preserve your physicality to be able to do the job. But then you know, for most people, it probably makes sense to at least consider some other options. You know, we, inside or outside of the 
outside of the industry. So, you know, I, I found myself in a, you know, in, in a bit of, of a fortunate position where that transition was, um, you know, ended up being fairly, you know, easy in a lot of ways for me, certainly not without a lot of hard work, but, you know, the, the opportunity uh, presented itself. And that's, you know, it's not always going to be the case for everyone. So just so our listeners know, why don't you go ahead and explain what your current job position is at St. Sabrina's and the roles that you fill there so that people can get a general idea of uh, like a day in the life of Derek Lowe. <laughs> sure. So yeah, I guess for a little background, uh, St. Sabrina's is owned um, currently by a woman named Leslie Bach. Um, and she started St. Sabrina's actually 25 years ago this month. Um, and it actually started as a, um, actually as an alternative kind of clothing store. And uh, she quickly added uh, piercing and then shortly after that tattooing to the mix. Um, and so I, when I came aboard, um, Leslie and I had known each other. I actually had done a guest spot there in, I think, 1997, um, when it was a far different um, creature than what it is now. And then we just had known each other from attending APP um, together over, you know, at the same time over the years. And so... Uh, I'd been in Minneapolis for a few months unemployed and uh, contacted them about um, a possible job. My girlfriend at the time was actually had gotten a job piercing at St. Sabrina's, but I was, I was not piercing and um, they didn't have a piercing position, but Leslie said, well, come in, we'll, we'll find something for you to do. Um, I, you know, you've got experience and, you know, it seems, seems silly to not, you know, take advantage of what you might have to offer. So she essentially kind of created a, a management, uh, uh, role for me, I guess, and a kind of a liaison between the piercers and the tattoo artists. All of, at that time, all of our piercers and tattoo artists were um, contractors. Um, so I think she, you know, really wanted someone, you know, she, she was not a piercer or a tattoo artist, um, someone who could kind of be a go-between and sort of uh, speak the lingo a little bit. And I think from her perspective could decipher some of the, you know, some of the BS she felt like she might be fed from the piercers or the tattoo artists. Um, Navigate that minefield. Yeah. <laughs> so she was looking for a little help in that. So that's kind of how it started. Um, and so, but presently I am the general manager um, and Leslie is uh, an uh, incredible entrepreneur by nature. And so she actually has several really successful bars and restaurants that she's opened um, in the past uh, 15 years or so. And so that's actually where all of her time is spent. Um, she and I, you know, we consult about certain things, but she is essentially, um, you know, mostly hands off. So basically all the decisions about what happens at St. Sabrina's, um, you know, fall to me and then the, and the folks that I work with. So, um, I guess, I guess I'm the guy in charge is the, you know, is the way you would say it, but, um, you know, it's not really my philosophy about running the place, but that's, it's kind of, I get, I get called shop dad a lot. So maybe, maybe that's actually my debt. Maybe that's actually more my job type. Making, making sure that, you know, everything doesn't fall apart and, you know, making sure that everyone is happy, but you know the day to day kind of kind of stuff. And and the big thing about that is, is I don't know uh, if any of our listeners have ever managed even like a retail store. That is an immense amount of work for what you do. Like it, you think you're like, oh, you just got to wrangle like two kids. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's it's way way more than like what the average person thinks of. Yeah, it, it certainly can be, and it depends on the size of your your staff you know we have a, a physically pretty big building i think we have just under i mean i mean it's probably i guess it's like 3800 square feet but it's split up between two floors you know and so this the physical layout creates some some other you know some other obstacles or challenges and then you know we currently have um i think we currently have 17 people that work for us 
Um, and that's, you know, four piercers right now, three tattoo artists and actually everything else is, you know, is, is support staff really. Um, and so, you know, there are a lot of things that I do, but by no means am I, you know, am I the person who's getting it all done? I've got an incredible group of people that, um, you know, support me and support our piercers and our tattoo artists. Um, you know, I've got a couple of managers that I work with and then we have, you know, several, um, several, you know, 10 people, I guess, roughly that work at the, work at the counter, maybe a few less than that. Um, but it's, it's a big group of people. And so that, you know, that obviously comes with its own set of challenges as well. And it's, and it's, you know, as most of us who either own shops or end up running shops, uh, you know, it's not a thing we ever started out with the intention of doing, you know, so a lot of times you find yourself in this position of, of having to do these things and develop these skills that you, you haven't had any experience or any training or any education for. So it's, um, it can definitely be a trial by fire. Yeah. And I do have to commend you on the fact that you recognize your team as being vital to your success. Um, I, I feel like that goes, uh, underappreciated a lot of times in our industry, but I, I jokingly say all the time, you're like, I may be a cog in the machine, but I need to make sure I have grease to make sure that everything works. And I, I do have to commend you on that. I think it's great. Oh, well, thanks. But yeah, I mean, it just, you know, it's just, it's just true. It's, it's always kind of, I guess, been my approach. Um, and, and certainly something I've, I've developed over the years. I mean, I'll be the first to admit when I started doing this, I was, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't probably always the greatest person to work for. I don't think I've ever been a tyrant or anything like that. But, you know, I didn't I didn't have because I was sort of still very much in piercer mode back you know, when I first started doing this job and was trying to prove myself to, to Leslie and prove that I could do this job. And so, you know, it's not that I did. It's not that I didn't appreciate certainly the people that that I worked with and, and helped me accomplish everything we were trying to accomplish. I just, you know, I, I just probably wasn't always as good as, you know, as I should have been as acknowledging it. But the reality is that there's, you know, St. Serena's has been a successful business for 25 years. Um, and there's there's no way that that happens just by sheer will or through any, you know, any one person's <clears throat> efforts. Um, and so I just got to, you know, our, over the 16 years I've been there, I've worked with different people and our team, you know, have sort of morphed and changed. Um, I've been comprised of a lot of different people, um, but I've always been pretty fortunate to have a, a good group of people to work with and the folks that I'm working with right now. You know, I think I can say without question is, is probably the best, you know, the best group of people we've ever really had to work with. Yeah. I I mean, your staff is pretty rad to say the very least. So. Yeah, we're, we're, pr- we're pretty fortunate. I think for anybody, you know, in the, in the piercing world, I mean, having a group of piercers like Courtney and Nate and Billy and Weston is, is really you know, is really an incredible, incredible thing to have and an incredible thing for our, you know, to, to be able to offer to our clients. Although, you know, on the whole, they, they probably don't, our clients don't generally recognize, you know, they're not recognizing names or they don't understand the place that those guys, you know, have maybe in the history of the industry. But, um, you know, it's incredible, incredible for our clients to be able to have those guys. And, you know, our tattoo artists are great. And, um, yeah, and then obviously all the folks that work at our counter are really, really top-notch. So with the position that you have um, and basically just stepping away from piercing, I've started to notice like – and how do I put this? I've heard in the past like you know, there's piercer retirement is you own a shop. And that is what a lot of people – jokingly say but you notice that the people that paved the way in like the 90s when you were piercing and everything like that and we now fast forward to now 
that's almost 30 years. Um, thanks, Will. Thanks, thanks for reminding me. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm old too. I'm 35. I know that you're a little bit older. But like – so like now the kids that were 20 are now 50 and, you know – yeah, as you previously stated, that uh, a lot of those people probably either physically can't pierce or can't pierce up to where they were years ago. So do you feel that we're now starting to see this in our industry where positions are being created for people that are phasing themselves out of piercing itself? Yeah, um, I think I think we are seeing some of that. Um, and I think some of that is happening um, you know, on the heels of, of the success of the, the success and the growth of the industry, you know, as as so many shops are getting busier, and you know, it just takes it takes more people to to do all of the things that need to be done. And as the industry changes, you know, with the the um, the wait times that we're experiencing from jewelry manufacturers right now, you know, that completely changes how a shop has to order jewelry and track those jewelry orders. And, you know, even if, even if you have an electronic system that helps you do that, it still requires, you know, generally it still requires more, more hands on and more, more people paying attention to what's happening. So I think that has allowed some shops to expand and and create some of these positions. And, um, you know, and, and I think as people, you know, when I first started piercing, there was not anything at all to indicate that you could, you know, that you could survive as just being a piercer, let alone sort of make a career out of it or, you know, raise a family on it or any of that sort of thing. And obviously that's, you know, that's changed a little bit. You know, we're starting to see after 25, 30 years that, you know, you can, you know, you can make a nice living and do, do live kind of a quote normal life if you want to. Um, but you just have to you have to apply yourself, and, and it's, it's nice to see some other opportunities come up for people who maybe need to step away or would like to do something different, but still stay in the industry. So, do you think that actually translates to being a positive or a negative? And the reason why I ask is because I personally feel that our industry has a lot of weird ticks to it, and one of them is that um, people don't want to let go. Because uh, let's be real, like our industry is very well connected with one another. Like your friends are piercers, our internet lives are are chatting with people, like comparing piercings, all those things. Do you think it's going to be something that people are just going to like have a hard time just saying like, I'm going to step away, I'm not going to be involved anymore. But then on the same note, do you feel like they're just like giving up a chunk of their life for it? Or do you think they're just going to try to make positions just so that they stay relevant? Well, I think, you know, as as, as we both know, I mean, it's very common in this industry that, I mean, people get into piercing because they are really, really passionate about it, you know, and it, and it tends to take up all of their, you know, all of their time and all of their energy or, you know, it's, it's kind of the focus of their life. And as a result of that, that's, you know, that's where a lot of our, you know, our, our identities end up falling or, you know, how we identify ourselves as people and, and, as you said, that's where a lot of our you know, social structure comes from or friendships develop. And so it, it is super, super hard to walk away from that. Um, Cause you're not, you're not just giving up, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, change my, change my career, go do something else. And that's kind of the only thing that's really going to change in my life for, for people in this industry. It does tend to have more, you know, widespread, widespread effects for them. So I think it's normal for, for people to try and find, you know, something to, to stay in the industry. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people, 
they, I mean, they, they start, they end up in this industry because it is something they're passionate about and there's something that they love. And even for those folks that, you know, end up feeling burnt out, I don't think most of the time it, it's not, you know, they're not burnt out necessarily on the industry. They may be burnt out on parts of their job um, and they may want to change that, but it doesn't, it doesn't usually change that they suddenly just, you know, hate the piercing industry. Um, I've seen that happen, but I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's most commonly the case. So I think, you know, a lot of people, do want to find jobs to, so that they can stay involved. <laughs> uh, you sum that up great. <laughs> um, yeah, I completely agree with all the statements that you made. I really think that um, we're going to start seeing this a whole bunch where there's new positions being made or people trying new things, such as being like, you know, whether it be like distributors are doing uh, social media for um, for shops or, or things of those, creating new titles that have new skill sets that are valuable. I stress it all the time and I really think that it is always important to um, have complementary skill sets uh, that you gain over time and I will preach it up and down like – Taking a class at school or going to college or taking night classes is always a good idea because you can always complement the skills that you have. And then in addition to that, you know, uh, perfect example between the two of us, like old dogs can new, like learn new tricks. Uh, um, so it's just, it's just one of those things that I think is uh, important for people to think about. And, and that's one of the things that I try to do on this podcast more than anything is um, – Get people to start talking about this because, you know, no one wants to admit, you know, their uh, mortality. Like, you know, nobody wants to admit that their hands are tight when they wake up in the morning now. Right. Like that, right. That's a complaint that I hear a lot of. And yeah, you know, sure. there's, there's a lot of things that uh, can speed this up or slow it down. You know, since I started powerlifting, like my hands get real tight now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a concern. Right. Um, yeah. But I mean, uh, that's a big thing that's going on right now within the piercing community. So I, it's one of those things where um, as long as people think of having backup plans or uh, start to think about alternative things that they can do after piercing, you know, after their yeah. phase of piercing ends would be important. But yeah, no, that's exactly right. And it's one of the made you know that made my transition a little easier i mean obviously the opportunity was there but i you know i did come to the position with you know some other skills i mean having gone to engineering school you know and just having been kind of a nerd you know (laughs) a nerd my whole life i mean i think i got my first computer when i was you know in fourth or fifth grade or something like that so i'd always been interested in computers and you know didn't really do a lot of coding or anything but always was very comfortable with computers and lots of the different software and, you know, having gone to engineering school and had to do data manipulation, I was, you know, I had a lot of experience with, you know, various spreadsheets and, you know, more, I mean, you know, being able to do things with word processors. And then I kind of developed a, a, a mild interest in like some graphic design work. And so, you know, familiar with that software and some of those things. And so, you know, those are all skills that are not directly related to piercing, but certainly have served me well, both as a piercer and, you know, as I've, as I transitioned away and started to do, to do other things. And I think, you know, anybody who is thinking about that, especially if you are hoping to move into some sort of, you know, management or ownership or, you know, just running a business role, you really could do yourself, you know, do yourself uh, a favor and then maybe, maybe think about taking even a basic business class or pick up some, you know, pick up some books on managing people. 
Um, because again, a lot of us find ourselves in this position and it's not, it's not anything we ever trained for. It's not anything planned for. And so, you know, just like you don't show up, you know, you don't suddenly know how to be a piercer without some training and some experience. You're, you're not going to be, um, necessarily great at managing people or, um, you know, running a business if you, if you haven't taken the steps to, you know, taken the steps to be good at doing those things. Yeah. And there's no, there, there is never any shame in saying, Hey, I don't know how to do that. I need to learn how to do that or asking questions about how to do those things. Like there, there's a stigma, at least in my eyes in the industry that a lot of folks, um, don't want to admit their faults or don't want to show their lack of skill in certain things. And I mean, week after week, I come on here and tell people my flaws. So I, I don't care. But, um, the, the biggest thing is, is that like no one is going to judge you if you are trying to better yourself. As long as you're not putting, you know, clients in danger or anything like that. So really, I mean, if anyone who's listening ever wants to reach out and ask, like, either you or I suggestions on what you would suggest to take to try to help them, uh, please do so. I'm always happy to, to discuss that, you know, with people as much as I can. And, there's, you know, there's, there's some other great folks in this industry that are, you know, have a have kind of a similar, you know, different but similar sort of outlook on things. And so I think you know, I'm happy to point people in those directions as well because i think some people you know um are doing some 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 interesting and some exciting things you know to to take this industry forward yeah and all these things do add to the progression of the industry the more and more legitimized uh that the industry becomes the more and more these like roles and holes are going to show up that need to be filled with skill sets and or people so always make sure that you keep that in mind and and if you see something that interests you like spend some time looking into it like there's i what's the worst thing that happens you waste a couple nights you know doing some research like it's really yeah absolutely deal. absolutely you know i think it's it, again a lot of the i had sort of personal interest in have have served me really well you know have served me really well um in in my kind of my current capacity and i think you know not to sound like the back in my day guy, but you know the the availability of information and access to information these days is just, I mean, it's, it's incredible and it's, it's helped me, you know, there's, there's a lot of different podcasts, you know, that are related to businesses or managing people that I listen to, you know, certainly access to books and blogs. I mean, videos, I mean, all that stuff just makes, makes being better at your job. I mean, it's, it's become a lot, a lot easier. Um, and then I think the one thing outside of that or connected to that, I always encourage people is, you know, do try and back that up with, you know, some sort of uh, human contact as well and human experience and anybody, if you can, you know, anybody who can find a mentor, um, that's always incredibly important. I think having, even if it's not a mentor in the industry, you know, in fact, sometimes having a mentor that's not in the industry is, is even better because, you know, we do, as you mentioned, industry it seems a little quirky sometimes. And I think that's just, you know, the nature sometimes of the people that are in it and also that it's fairly young. And so we have a real, we can have a real specific way of, of looking at things. Um, and whereas someone from a completely different industry is not going to be constrained by that, you know, that set of glasses, that, that, that filter that we tend to, we'll look at our own industry through. And so they can um, provide a lot of good information, ask questions and get your brain, you know, moving in a way that it might not have otherwise. Yeah. That's, uh, what's the old saying? Like rose tinted glasses when you look at every, no, no, no. Yeah. That's yeah. A... Something like that. It's iodine yeah. colored glasses. I think. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> 
Janitian violet glasses. Right. There's a new business idea. Um, so uh, I know that you just touched on it a moment ago, but I think it would be really interesting for some of our listeners for you to talk about it a little bit. You stated, you know, things were different 20 years ago. If you had to say, like, what are the biggest differences between now and then when it comes to the industry? I mean, sort of, I mean, obviously, just the access to the ease of access to information is obviously huge. Um, you know, it certainly, you know, I'm not the first person to tell this story or tell stories like this, but you know, back when I started, I mean, the internet was, it was a thing, but just barely, um, you know, and so you could not just, you know, there was a lot of information out there by comparison to pre-internet days, but there still was not anything like there is now. So even the, the, the information you could find was limited. So, you know, it required a lot more, you know, go into a library, go into a bookstore to buy a book, um, making, making a phone call to try and, um, you know, try and get the information. I remember, you know, I mean, when I applied for my APP membership and got my acceptance letter, it came with, uh, you know, Hey, welcome to the APP. Here are some things in your application that you might want to, you might want to address. And one, I don't remember what the specific thing was, but it, uh, the resource they pointed me to was Dave Vidra. And, you know, so, but I, you know, that the only way to get a hold of Dave was a phone call. Um, so, you know, I had, I had to call this person and that's, you know, that's, and talk to them. And that's where, you know, that's where our friendship started. And that eventually, you know, took me, took me down the, really down the road to where I'm at now. Um, so I, th- I think ease of information is a big one. Um, I think, you know, I, there's a lot of talk about, you know, how, how a lot of information these days just parroted. Um, I, I don't know that that's any worse these days than it used to be. Um, honestly, um, as much as you know, a lot of people want to think that it is. I don't. I don't know that that's true. Um, we've always had sort of you know leaders in this industry or people who are on the forefront of different different areas of it, and you know they establish themselves as experts and people look to them and a lot of times just take what they say at face value and, and sort of go with that. Um, and I think that's always kind of been a thing. Um, and I think you can just look at, you know, the evolution of everything in the industry. Like for so long we did, you know, the, the way we did aftercare was because that's what the person who truck, you know, trained us, told us to do. And so that must be the right way. And, and I, so I don't, I don't know that that's significantly worse these days. Um, I think it just feels, maybe feels a little more frustrating because, you know, there is such ease of, it is so easy to get the information. So if you, you, know, you can say, Hey, is what this person telling me actually the case? Um, it's pretty easy to figure that out. Um, you know, do your own research and form some of your own opinions. Critical thinking is a major deal, um, and it should always be applied in no matter what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's definitely that's definitely the case. Um, I think one thing that you know one thing that's certainly different is uh, you know ten week wait times on jewelry. Um, that certainly that certainly was not not a thing um, ever. Uh, so, but that's you know that's certainly well frustrating. It speaks a lot to the growth um, growth of our industry, which I, you know is is good for all of us in the in the long. Run. That is crazy. Like I mean, when you really look at it, jewelry back in its back then versus jewelry now is wild. <laughs> like yeah. you you had like really crazy designs and materials and things like that and it's i like i hate to say it but it was almost like stone age kind of jewelry yeah you're absolutely you're absolutely right the place that i started piercing um came in to get a navel piercing you know we had a little little box of captive bead rings with hematite beads and it was you know do you want the half inch ring or do you want the five eighths ring i mean that was 
kind of how people, you know, how we chose jewelry. People chose jewelry. It was pretty, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Um, the difference we see now. And, you know, I've, I remember very vividly that day getting a, or, or at that shop, but we got one day, we got a, a letter from a woman named uh, Karen Hurt, who some of you may know from Future Primitives. Um, and it was a letter saying, hey, I've been doing this thing with navel piercings um, where I've been using curved barbells instead of rings because everyone was using rings back then and sort of gave some, you know, some explanation for why that was. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, that makes, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, you know, but, but very few people were doing that back then. Everybody just, you know, you did rings because you had to be able to rotate your jewelry because you were, you had to get the soap or the hemoclens or the iodine in there and you had to be able to rinse it out. So you had to do a ring. You couldn't do a barbell and you know, someone sort of saying, Hey, we could, you know, we could do it this way. Um, you know, kind of open, open things up and, and really made a big change in the industry. And now people will be like, why would you ever put a ring in a curve bar or in a navel? valid question but back then you know it didn't uh, it wasn't so obvious yeah and it's crazy because you're like yeah you had to rotate the piercing and throw iodine in it and i i guarantee you like a large portion of our listeners were like oh god like i can't believe he just said that but, sure, but that's, that's how it was back yeah then, yeah I, have, you know? I mean many of my first piercings i healed you know it kind of depended aftercare sort of depended on where you were um you know in the country you know there was some some people did iodine for aftercare where i was in the midwest that we, we tend to do a lot of hibiclin um, so, you know, I had any number of piercings that I healed initially using Hippoclens, which is you know, sort of a, a miracle that anything healed putting that. That's like putting napalm on something on a healing. But, you know, it worked. It, yeah, eventually things healed. Yeah, it's crazy when you think about like, and I, I mean, I got my first like piercing piercing was 2002. And I mean, that was the, as I refer to it as the golden age of dial, you know, yeah. so like. That's that's what I was used to, and I mean that was awful. And I still healed those piercings. I I don't have them yeah. anymore, but I still healed them. You know, Red. So the biggest question that I'm going to ask you here, Derek, is: Do you enjoy what you do now? Do you miss piercing? How do you feel about all that? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I really, really enjoy you uh, now. It's uh, it's a lot of different things that I get to. That my brain gets to think about lots of different types of things. Um, which is, you know, which is great. And it, you know, it definitely, uh, has its, has its, you know, amount of stress, I guess, and challenges that come along with it. Uh, but on the whole, it's something that I really do enjoy, um, quite a bit. And I consider myself, you know, really fortunate, a lot of hard work over the years for sure. But, you know, also, you know, luckily it gave me an optical chance on sort of a known one. And so I'm really grateful for that. Um, as far as missing piercing, I think um, you know, not so much the act of piercing necessarily, um, which you know, I, I guess I miss that sometimes. But really, the, the I, I miss an interaction with clients. Certainly, that can also at times be stressful and not be the greatest part of the job. But on the whole, that's always the part of the job that I enjoyed the most. Um, you know, meeting people, and I mean, after you know, after a while, the excitement of doing a navel piercing you know, wears off a little bit, but getting to meet all sorts of interesting people with interesting stories and lives and, you know, the amount of stuff that I've learned from my clients is over the years is, is really incredible. So there are, there are sometimes that, um, sometimes that I do miss it. Um, but, but on the whole, I'm really, really satisfied with, um, with what I am doing right now. I'm really glad. I, I really envy the position that you're in because you still get to stay within the industry. You still get to do something that you love every day. Um, 
but uh, you know, like I said, I I say it very lovingly, Derek. We are both old guys, <laughs> so like I'm happy every day that I get up. I get to pet my dog. I get to kiss my missus goodbye for the day. You know, I I think that's a big thing, and I think you're a shining example of. Be happy with where you are and not unhappy with where you could be um, because that's ultimately what is the best thing, making sure that, like, you're happy at the things that you do. So, you know, may, maybe some of our listeners can spend a little bit of time thinking about their future after listening to this and um, hopefully we'll do some good for the community. Yeah. Uh, so – uh, just one last time, Derek, why don't you just tell people who you are, where they can find you, and um, if there's anything that you want to plug. Sure. Again, my name is Derek Lowe. I'm St. Sabrina's in Minneapolis. If you want to uh, follow us on the social medias, it's all St. Sabrina's and Saint is spelled out, S-A-I-N-T. Uh, if you want to follow me personally on Instagram, you certainly can do that. Um, you won't see a lot of uh, work-related stuff, but mostly what you will see is pictures of my adorable dog. Uh, Which Rip- is so worth it. <laughs> Ripley the Boxer. So if you like seeing cute dog pictures, that's a good spot to hit that up, and that's just Derek Lowe. Um, other than that, um, I don't think I have, you know, that's kind of that's kind of my world these days. Uh, so I'm... Uh, Are you teaching a conference this Yeah, week? actually, yeah, that's right. I'm going to be classes at a conference every year I for the past I don't know lots of years I have done the orientation class um, I am also going to be um, the moderator a panel of a panel of really experienced piercers we're just gonna talk about a bunch of piercing related stuff and probably do some Q&A and then I believe they have me queued up to do a talk APP class or talk, talk APP as well which I've not ever done before so um, I think that uh, you know it's a little it's a little uh, terrifying, but hopefully it will go. Hopefully it'll go fine. Well, I absolutely hope that everything goes well with your classes. I have taken your classes in the past and have always enjoyed them. And Thanks. if you are a first timer this year, uh, first time at conference that is, uh, do make sure that you go to orientation. It is a huge deal and will really help you out throughout the entire week. Um, there's also a mentor program, so like you know, take a peek on that. And um, we should be. Uh, throwing up our conference survival guide again uh, soon, uh, especially so people can have an idea what's going on. Um, I will not see you this year at conference because I have a baby on the way. I know. That's exciting. Uh, I know. So I'm very excited. Will Von Dad is going to be a real thing. Um, (laughs) So, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. And then – I'll include links to all the social media on uh, our show notes for this week. But, uh, yeah, uh, please uh, give Ripley a few pets for us. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me, Will. There you have it, folks. One of our most requested interviews. I think the only thing that could have made the interview better is if Derek and I recorded it at the dog park so our pups ran around with each other. I always appreciate how this podcast gives me a platform to have honest discussions with people in the industry, but also leaves a record of information that people can reference as years go by. I want to thank Derek so much for taking time out of his busy schedule to talk with us. We hopefully plan to have him on again, as we couldn't fit all the topics into one episode. Derek can be found at St. Sabrina's on a regular basis with his amazing team, or you can find links to his social media in this week's show notes. I strongly suggest to take a moment to follow his Instagram that is dog heavy. Seriously, Ripley is an adorable boxer. 
In other news, you heard right. Late August, I will become Will Von Dad. My beautiful wife and I are expecting a girl, and I seriously couldn't be happier. Everything is going amazing, and things couldn't be more perfect. Now, because of the due date, I won't be attending conference for the first time in six years. We typically record interviews at conference, but instead of this, we will continue with normal episodes of the podcast and have some special treats coming down the line, especially in the form of articles written by the community that are full of the honesty and truth that you have come to respect to us for at Real Talk. This doesn't have a set date, but will be coming down the line this year. I want to thank all you wonderful folks for the reviews on iTunes and the Google Play Store, as well as listening in every few weeks. Also, thanks to all my Patreon subscribers for your continued support. I would like to thank our ongoing sponsors of the podcast, Other Couture Jewelry, and their owner, Mike Knight, has been up to some wild projects for this year's conference. Not only do I know his booth has some major surprises and reasons to visit it, he has also been working on some new septum pieces that are absolutely gorgeous. They're low profile and the perfect price point for clients and piercers alike. As always, if you're in a professional studio and would like to get a copy of this catalog, please visit our sponsors page for a link on how to contact other couture jewelry. Sponsor Goldheart Woodworks has been busier than ever with their new website, bodyjewelrydisplays.com. This site allows you to peruse the entire Goldheart Woodworks catalog. It will show you what your case could look like with an upgrade from these fine folks. But not only have they been up to that, they just released their white maple displays. I'm unsure if you folks know this or not, but all of their materials are locally sourced and handpicked by the folks that make them, which to me personally is reason alone to pick them up. But these white displays against the metallic tones of the jewelry you place in them will really bring your jewelry to the next level. You can see this beautiful finished product on their social media or on bodyjewelrydisplays.com. Our final sponsor for this week's episode is from our California family. Adam and Shelby Richens have been crushing it in their city of Santa Cruz at the beautiful Amory Body Arts. This is the only studio I trust in Santa Cruz to send clients and listeners to. They recently expanded their staff to meet their ever-growing demand to serve Southern California. I truly adore these fine folks and suggest you stop in to visit them. For all your piercing jewelry needs, make sure to visit our friends at Amory. You can find more information about these companies under the Sponsors tab on our website, realtalkapiercingpodcast.com. To ask questions, suggest topics, or get more info about your host or today's guest, please visit us at realtalkpiercingpodcast.com. If you have a moment and enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast platform. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guest are their own and do not represent the official position of the Association of Professional Piercers or their places of employment. Music by Broke for Free.